What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Leadership Evolve podcast. I'm Artie Gassemi. Welcome back. And if this is your first time listening in, welcome. I know I probably have about two minutes and four seconds uh, but, uh, to keep you on here, so I'm not going to waste any more time. What we try to do here week in and week out is provide a platform where we can shed light on the modern perspective of leadership and more so business as well, sales, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it. And we're not necessarily trying to reinvent the wheel here or discredit the pioneers, uh, entrepreneurs, and educators who paved the way. Uh, But again, just adding additional spotlight to some of these modern leaders uh, in an ultimate effort uh, to help you guys lead a better life, both at work and at home. And that at-home part is very crucial because it's it's meant to be understood that it's it's a mindset it's not something that you drop off at the office and you pick up the next day um but my guest this week i think really exemplifies uh, this vision he's a serial tech entrepreneur um that's currently the coo and managing partner at jafton.com and miss.com both technology and internet organizations um he is actually the youngest member ever uh, to be on the Forbes Business Council, uh, and he's also on the Harvard Business Review Advisory Council, and you know he's also into public speaking. And what really stood out to me from the get-go, and what made me want to have this conversation with him, was that he's only 23 years old. Okay, and on top of that, he's actually immigrated from Uzbekistan about seven years ago. And just that right there, you know, without me even having to dig further, uh, that's a hell of a story. And that's someone that, you know, without me even having to say a word to him yet, uh, I know he's gone through something uh, that, and he has an interesting background in terms of uh, lessons that he probably learned and specific experiences that really shaped who he's become. And this conversation was, was right on par with that. Um, and on top of all those accolades and accomplishments, he was just an awesome dude. Uh, I would definitely hang out with him at any time. Um, he's super humble, um, but he's also determined and he has that competitive greatness about him. It's, it's uh, infectious a little bit um, that his passion and it's just his overall love of life and the way he views uh, some of the hardships that he's gone through is, is really inspiring and um, I took a lot from it and uh, I hope you guys do as well. Um, so without further ado, please give it up for Sam Aquindo. What really caught my eye with you, man, uh, and I was just, you know, kind of searching the web and and trying to find people that really just intrigued me and fall into what this podcast does. But what really drew my eye to you right away was, uh, first off, you're young as hell. (laughs) You're only 22 and you're you're an immigrant from Uzbekistan. And, you know, before I even needed to dig further, I was like, this is a hell of a story. Just those two alone, just because of what you've done with all your accolades and, and your accomplishments. But what I can't comprehend, and this is just putting myself uh, at that age uh, uh, you are, and especially you know your adolescence, is you were able to focus and prioritize two things that for adolescents, at least I can tell you from in U.S., are very hard to do. Um, when did you when did you officially move to the U.S.? Well, I can't say I moved seven years ago, but I did come to the U.S. Well, I first visited eight years ago in 2013 when my sister got married here and she stayed. Uh, but seven years ago, I officially came here for uh, high school. And, uh, you know, for four years, I was back and forth to Uzbekistan and my, my I didn't want to stay here. But uh, like three years ago, I decided to stay. So I can say I moved here three years ago. Uh, when I officially wow. actually been, been here in the U.S. back and forth since 2013. So, yeah. You grew up, your majority of your childhood was in Uzbekistan, it's fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Until I was 16, I completely only lived in Uzbekistan, like went abroad a few times only like for, for some stuff into Europe, but that's it, yeah. How was that, uh, you know, just growing up there? Uh, I mean, it's it's good, but it's also like, you know, it always seems like uh, a great thing for you until you see otherwise, like, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I uh, I grew up in a in a good family, like oh, with the, with the supporting parents, uh, with a, uh, really like um, exceptional family, I would say. But also, you know, when you go out abroad and you see the difference between your country and and uh, how the world lives and how the world thinks, 
and how you realize, especially you know, when you come from a country like Uzbekistan, that how closed-minded you were before, mm-hmm. and that here in the U.S. or in the in the West generally, especially in the U.S., I got to know more people and more closely after living here for for a bit now. Uh, I realized that you know Uzbekistan was very closed-minded, and my perspective mm-hmm. back. It has changed completely. I've I've just changed uh, so much since I moved here. Uh, in terms of how I view the world, how I view people, uh, my my interests, everything has changed here. So, yeah, uh, and I can only experience. Yeah. yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, I, I came from Iran myself, but I was I got lucky in the, in the fact that I came when I was seven years old, so I was able to kind of grow yeah. up here. But um, I was obviously obviously viewed as an immigrant, um, and, and we'll get into that. Um, in a little bit, but you know, you're saying you were closed off, but uh, you know that, that spirit of entrepreneurship you had, and when I mentioned earlier, you're able to focus and prioritize, and you weren't even seeing the Western port for the most part. Do you contribute that to anything specifically in your childhood, or help me understand what got you uh, thinking in such a way that majority yeah. of adolescents can right, do? Right. No, a full disclosure here. You know, like I said, I was very lucky of being born in a very exceptional family. Uh, where where my my dad was a you know hardcore entrepreneur his entire life and my my mother she was a housewife but then she turned entrepreneur uh, I guess after having lived with uh, with my dad for so long she got infected too and uh, at this point you know we're four kids and uh, and uh, two parents so like five of us five out of six people in our family are entrepreneurs everybody has uh, a, a business of their own or either uh, of their own or working with the family business. Right. And, and myself, I, I, I'm not involved with the family business, but um, mm-hmm. uh, doing a separate thing there. Their business is back home in Uzbekistan. But, mm-hmm. you know, j- just to give that full disclosure, you know, it's not like uh, I became an entrepreneur like out of blue uh, or, or just got interested in this and, and uh, you know, made myself an entrepreneur. I, I mean, I can say I made myself, but like mm-hmm. uh, my father has contributed a lot to it. And I guess. Uh, you know, now that I think about it, I used to think that, hey, entrepreneurs are like born this way. You know, you have this uh, natural right. talent. But I feel like also a lot of it is like, you know, it's psychology is such a strong thing in, in your childhood. And, and and growing up, because my dad was so busy, I uh, I lacked that time with him, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that, that really needed his attention. And I guess as a child, now that I analyze it and study psychology a little bit, I feel like as a kid, I really wanted his attention so much that, uh, it just naturally pulled me towards what he was doing because I used to ask my mother, like, hey, what does dad do? Like, what, what, who is he? Like, I never got to, like, talk to him as much as, mm-hmm. as a kid when I really needed him. So, and she would say, hey, he's an entrepreneur. He, he has his own business. So I guess now that drew me into, mm-hmm. like, uh, I guess, becoming an entrepreneur because I really wanted his attention. And, uh, you know, without, like, I guess that was subconscious. I didn't realize it back then. But really that drew me into trying to become something similar to my father so i get his attention and i really strived always to like impress him impress him with like what i'm doing you know as a kid i started selling things you know before i was 10 uh to neighbors and and at 10 years old i had my first like tech business where i was like uh selling uh uh, video games to my friends uh through a, a wireless connection and and that was an innovative thing back then for a 10 year old and and all these things that i did i always did to impress my father but that grew into a bigger passion now, and now that I'm uh, more grown up, uh, it just stayed with me, you know. And now that's all I breathe and think about. Hold on, you you know, <laughs> I want to go back to your ten year old uh, venture uh, yeah. because that ten year old, I think, uh, besides picking my nose and and trying to find oh. the next uh, soccer game to play, I, that was as exceptional as that I was. Uh, I, I mean, help me walk you through it, and and I'm an idiot, man. Okay, when it comes to tech, especially. <laughs> What, yeah. you know, I, I know from a psychological aspect, you know, you're trying to get your dad's attention. That's really fascinating, by the way. But what really had you thinking from a technology aspect and being able to frame your mind into, you know what, I can sell something or I can make money like that? Was it just something that if I was in a school with you, were you the smartest kid? Is this things were just clicking with you analytically? Right. And I guess, yeah, that's why I'm so much into psychology. You know, it's aside from entrepreneurship, I really like to study psychology to understand these mm-hmm. things, so I can, like have I guess the similar effect on my kids. Uh, but but you know really what happened I think you know with my parents again going back, without even realizing you know they weren't 
like experts in parenting, but they did a lot of things that was, you can call it perfect parenting, you know, and, and the influence mm -hmm. that they had on myself and my siblings. So what, what happened was, again, because my dad was like, uh, again, uh, away, uh, and I mapped it out recently, you know, and it was such a big, fascinating realization for me on like, people ask me, how do you develop a passion, right? Uh, I have a passion for technology and, and entrepreneurship, and a lot of people cannot find their passion. And, and I guess I was so lucky to find my passion at early age, being actually a victim of circumstances, not like intentionally, uh, nobody has like instilled this intentionally on me, but like by accident, what happened was because again, my dad was away all the time. And, you know, in, in, in Eastern mentality, you know, in Uzbekistan, there's this mentality that uh, a woman should take care of the family and, and a mm -hmm. man should always be just at work. And that's all you have to do. You don't have to really spend that much time with your family, but your right. kids really need to, right? And, and my dad got particularly busy when I was growing up, right? As opposed to my older siblings. So again, what happened was uh, that, that limited amount of time that I would get my father, with my father and my dad is that uh, like he would, he would come home and, uh, you know, he, the, back then the, the, the flip phones were, were popular, right? The, the, the mm -hmm. punch with the actual buttons and right. he would he wouldn't be able to figure out certain things there on the phone and he would ask mm -hmm. me hey can, can you help me with this right and every time i would just do simple things as like um help him change his ringtone or like uh, uh change his background wallpaper on his phone uh he would praise me so much one thing that my dad is exceptional at is like this leadership thing where he can like really for a small thing that you do he gives you such accolades he can make you feel so special and because I guess I lacked his attention so much that those moments were super special for me when my dad would tell me, damn, you're a genius. Like he would literally tell me, you're a genius. You just changed my wallpaper on my phone or like you changed the ringtone. You'd tell me, he'd call me genius every single time. Mm -hmm. And I guess that reinforced uh, in my child mentality uh, that this notion that, hey, I guess I'm doing something on the phone, which is a piece of technology. And that is impressing my dad and he's calling me a genius. And I guess that pulled me really so much towards technology that as a kid, really, the only thing I could, I could come up with as a reasoning for that is that, hey, it must be the technology that I understand that really, you know, makes my dad want to call me special, you know. So yeah. it naturally drew me into technology. And another thing that my mom did, again, unintentionally is that mm -hmm. she was very about like spending and also like buying things for us because I guess she always had that uh, uh, fear that one day we might have financial financial difficulties and we have to be ready for that as kids so she would really restrict us in spending and what happened was all the kids in my school had the their cell phones and, and computers and uh, my parents never bought anything for me and my mom mm -hmm. would be deciding who what we should buy so she never bought it and I guess that again reinforced it even worse because then I really wanted to use that tech piece of technology to, to, you know, do something with it. But then we didn't have a computer at home. We didn't have a phone. So I would really uh, come to my friends' homes and, and uh, play on their computer for a limited time. But instead of just playing video games, I would try to do something with that video game so I could, like, impress, I guess, uh, uh, my, my, my dad again, you know, with what yeah. I'm doing. And, uh, you know, that really reinforced it even more. And what happened was at 10-year-old, you know, uh, I figured out how to, uh, you know, there was these video games on the, on the phones and I figured out how to send those video games through Bluetooth uh, to another phone without having to, like, you know, uh, download anything or use yeah. Internet even. And, and that, that nobody knew how to do that. So uh, what we used to do is after school, we used to go to this Internet cafe back mm -hmm. then uh, where we used to pay uh, back in a, in a regular currency it was 500 songs. Uh, mm -hmm. And pay that to download one game, and because internet was very limited back then too, and people didn't know how to download right. things from internet. Uh, and I created a competition for them. I said, you know, uh, I'm going to charge you guys 300 songs, and I'm going to do it while we're at school. You don't have to walk anywhere. I'll do it wirelessly. I'll send it to your phone, and pay me 300 songs. And I remember when the first day I launched that business, I downloaded uh, over 300 games to my phone. I asked my mom to buy me like a, a SD card that will hold all these games on my phone. Mm -hmm. And I made 10,000 songs uh, on that, you know. Wow. And that was more than I could spend, uh, you know. It was, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, just so you understand, back then it was probably like $5, but it was a lot of money, you know. For What for did you do kids. with it? 
Did you get anything special? Or you hide it? No, I, I, I no. I think I, I think I saved it up and I reinvested it in in, uh, uh, in a seasonal product, which was like back then. Uh, I, I also noticed that uh, a trend for you know towards the towards the Christmas and New Year, uh, kids used to play with these uh, uh, you know uh, th th these games like. Um, how do you call them? Like the, the, they blow up, you know, you throw them and, mm -hmm. and, and it blows up. Like it, it's basically like a fire game, right? Whatever. So, right. and, and well, those were very limited, you know, you, you, it was really hard to find those, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, I used to go to my dad's office a lot and uh, behind his office, you know, there was this, uh, uh, I guess a black market where they mm -hmm. used to sell them because they were illegal because it was dangerous. Uh, I guess they considered it back then. So anyways, I would buy those. I, I invested mm -hmm. into buying those and then I would sell them back at school uh to my classmates again you know and make money like that so uh you know I, I always had that entrepreneurial spirit i really wanted to sell things and make money and uh and uh, you know i was that kind of kid yeah, man that, that's so fascinating so many things there that uh, that i want to unravel there but uh you mentioned earlier you um you know it's a talent being entrepreneurship i think i've, I've never seen entrepreneurship as a talent i think um it, it's a hustler mentality i think it's more of a mentality and i think it's more of just being able to work hard and work hard gets thrown out every other way right but if me working hard and, and filling in a spreadsheet is called working hard I, I don't want that, right? That's not working hard. That's just task oriented and, and you're able to finish. You, at such a young age, being able to work hard and being able to hustle and, and think about things that I'm just saying, like people that age just don't think about. And I can only relate to myself for the most part and my peers. And it's, you're reacting to what the world is showing you. I think at that age, you're just reacting, right? This There's a basketball court out there or there's a game over here. I'm going to play it. That's what's happening. If it's not, I'm bored. But, you know, it's fascinating, man, hearing how proactive you are. And I want to tie that word into, you know, focusing and prioritizing at such an age that, God damn, man, so many people don't. But uh, what I'm super intrigued about is your self-psychoanalysis of yourself and, and, your, and your relationship with your father, man. I think that's, it's, it's, it's crazy to me because it seems like you're at such a peace with it. Um, and would you say, you know, if you don't mind me asking, how is your relationship with your father right now? It's, it's it's great now we're like best mm -hmm. friends we talk literally every day uh, especially after That's i moved awesome. out uh, mm -hmm. uh you know back home in uzbekistan but like uh we got really close like we and especially when i visited it was we both realized it's a limited time spending together so yeah we talk and get close like but i really get to got to know him after the age of i'll probably say uh you know 14 or something you know mm -hmm. uh before that my dad was just somebody i i knew about through my mom because she would tell me who he is and, and really never had those uh, father and uh, son conversations. But again, you know, you're, you're, sometimes they say your curse is your gift, right? So that right. curse was a gift for me, you know, my, my dad, we being so distant in my, in my childhood, I guess if I was in a very, uh, uh, you know, when I say privileged uh, or like what I called my family exceptional, people think, oh, they probably, he probably had like a uh, very like attentive parents that were always with mm -hmm. them, you know, how in such an investor mentality, uh, you know, parents are very, very dedicated to their kids and, 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 and spend a lot of time with them. They, they think it, it's a must, but I, I really, it wasn't like that. You know, uh, mm -hmm. a lot of it, especially, you know, we being four kids, you never got enough attention to everyone. Right. And that was that, that curse was a gift, you know? So, and now it's a, it's a great relationship though. Like, you know, we've both grown up, we talk about, mostly we talk about business, you know, yeah. is that you know, we're both entrepreneurs. That's what he's in. Yeah. And do you, yeah. did you, do you tell him like when you were a kid that you wanted attention, but I know you're, again, you're viewing it as a, as a gift and then kudos to you. And I think that's why you're saying, Hey, that happened. And, and here I am because of that. So you don't mind it. Right. Because yeah, that's no. how it happened. Yeah. So that's, I love that. But you, you brought it up to him that, Hey, you know, I was craving your attention in the morning, everything you're telling me or not really. No, I my, to my mom, you know, I guess when mm -hmm. I was a teenager, I still had that like, uh, for a long time i couldn't let it go too like you know i i kept thinking that hey if, if I, I i only realized this was a gift like uh in my 20s like i mean mm -hmm. like around when i was 20, uh, now i'm 23 so relatively recently you know uh but yeah uh, yeah i know you're saying in your 20s like you're 29 like myself you're 23 yeah, man no, <laughs> so you just just recently so this recently kind of came to you that 
in a way that you made a peace with it before that you would say you were pretty angry yeah, I, with I, it I, I, used to, I used to really have this blaming mentality and, uh, and and a lot of it you know really i i i had to go through therapy you know i had to go through uh uh as a teen i had a really rough uh teenage years very rough you know uh, having been bullied at school and like really questioning myself doubting uh at one point i was suicidal even you know so it's not all like very uh, uh as, as cool as it sounds you know i, I feel like I'm, I'm i'm having a great great life right now i'm grateful for that uh but it took me a really uh a struggling time in my in my teens to get there and i used to have this blame mentality where i used to think hey you know what my uh i guess if my parents really treated me differently i would have been more successful blah 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 you know all these all these thoughts that that were in my head and uh, a lot of it also was uh, thanks to Gary Vee, who I really listened to a mm-hmm. lot. You probably know about him. He he really teaches this this accountability mentality. You know that hey, everything in your life, you know, when you take accountability, when you take uh, ownership of your else of your of your losses, then you become really happy because there's nobody to blame. You realize it's all yourself. And really, that kicked me. You know, uh, I think it was 2018 when I started listening to him, or 2017. And I really got in peace with it, like you said, because I took full ownership of what I what I what I know. Because before then, I think my mentality was that, hey, one day I'm going to have kids and I'm going to treat my kids differently. I'm going to give them all the attention in the world and everything. And I didn't realize how actually lucky I was that my parents treated me this way intentionally or unintentionally you know either way they love me you know they always love me and, and cared and they did their best because they had to work and and also have four kids and support and everything but you know I, I no longer have that i came into peace with that so if there's any teenagers out there you know i know this can be uh uh you know you may have that blaming mentality for your for your parents a lot of teenagers do but and and some people you know they carry it towards their their adulthood and yeah. it's not because i was a teenager it's because i just at one point i realized I have to get in peace with it. I have to change my perspective and I have to take full ownership. And then I became happy with it. And I started really, you know, appreciating my parents even more for what they did, you know, and I know that they did the best all the time. Um, and yeah, that, that was a huge lesson for me. Yeah. I was going to say, it's not just teenagers. There's, I mean, well, uh, into their adulthood, people that uh, don't even want to talk to the, talk about this to themselves. And, and, you know, for you being this vulnerable and open, um, you know, Dr. Brene Brown, if there Lee talks about the vulnerability and you're, you're exemplifying it, man. And um, I wish she was hearing this or, or seeing your case because she would be amazed uh, about how vulnerable you're being and, and how openness really does take you forward. Um, and, you know, I I listen to um, I listen to a bunch of comedians podcasts and, and there's these comedians, you know, like Joey Diaz or Bill Burr. They've been working through traumas from their childhood you know, for 30, 40 years, these guys are almost 60. And and just now they're kind of getting through it. Right. And uh, kudos to you, man, for, for really putting in the time, taking that accountability. Uh, and, and damn, man, that's, that's really impressive. Um, you know, it's funny, you, you brought up uh, the, uh, the fact that you want to give your kids obviously a different life. Right. But I was just talking about this to, to a guest last week. It's interesting because I think the same way, right? You know, we all have our stuff. You know, for me, you know, growing up, I'm thinking, you know what, I, you know, I want to make it and I want to be wealthy to a point just to make sure my kids uh, can live that life. But then I stop myself and think, you know, the reason I am today, you know, my motivation and, and my hard work and my perseverance kind of comes from that moments of hardship. So if I want to give my kid no hardship, then are they going to then be spoiled or, or not be like this? But at the same time, I, Am I going to willingly give them hardship? So it's such a, uh, it's such a mindfuck, man. There's no other way to put it. Uh, but th- I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, 100%. I, I really, I had very, very similar thoughts, you know, about that. Like, I, you know, I probably, you know, especially because I moved here now, you know, I know that even if you grow up in a, in a wealthy family in, in Uzbekistan, you still have those hardships because, like, they're all countries. Like, you see at least people struggling every day because it's a very... Uh, it's a developing country, you know, it's it's not a wealthy country. Uh, but here now, if I have my kids here in the U.S., which I'm planning to, uh, I, they're probably going to ha- be having a very, you know, a comfortable life, you know, and that's mm-hmm. com- that comfort is usually not so good for you, you know, and right. probably gonna send my kids back to Uzbekistan to <laughs> for some time because, you know, that's kind of yeah. what we're doing my nephew right now. My, my sister has a mm-hmm. seven-year-old and he's mm-hmm. back in Uzbekistan. He's really has changed. It's disciplined him so much, really? you know, 
Yeah, when you at least see this in real life, how other kids are uh, in front of you, like in the same street, there are kids that don't have money to like eat properly or like uh, dress properly. It, it really humbles you, even as a kid. You know, yeah. that's 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 why I think you know I'm not spoiled, and I was again, it was a, it was a gift that I was born there and I grew up there because I saw all these difficulties. And my dad also, uh, when when I was 14, he threw me into like like almost threw me into streets like to go and work and make, make money you know mm-hmm. and uh, that humbled me and taught me a lot of discipline too you know so i, I you know to come back to that point i i'm definitely going to whether they will like it or not most likely they're not going to like it at the moment uh i'm am going to create those hardships i guess for them uh to to really uh, uh discipline them and, and make their character you know yeah especially because us is such a bubble and, and only us we understand being immigrants and, and seeing other countries but you if you don't leave out which majority of people don't especially if they're born here you just don't know and if you don't know you can't really blame them either right they grow up saying you know this is what i've seen i've seen suburban life you know you're in new york city you you see a little bit of disparity i'm in i'm fucking suburban southern california i've had a kid today and they don't leave here they they'll be in the biggest bubble of their lives. They wouldn't know anything else, right? It's green schools and no traffic and wide streets and everything is well off, no trash anywhere, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. crazy. That's why immigrants, uh, they, they should probably take their kids back to the, the, the home. That's country. interesting. I like that. I like that. Well, you know, for me, I got to wait till uh, till Iran's in a little bit better position uh, oh, yeah. in government so we can even get a direct flight there. But no, I like yeah. that approach, man. I really do. And and you're the first person who actually had an answer to that because my guest last week, we couldn't figure it out. And uh, But that's an interesting case. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we went off on a little tangent there, but I, I had to explore. You're being so open. Um you're here in high school now. You're you're on a scholarship, I believe. And take me from there. You, you know, from your entrepreneurial experience, and take me all the way up to what you're doing now. Um, and yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. Like I said, you know, seven years ago I came to the U.S. Uh, August 25th is going to be my anniversary of uh, my life in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and 2014, I, I accidentally got here. You know, I really believe in law attraction and like uh, that things happen for a purpose. Uh, and and I was really planning to actually go and study in the in the UK, uh, and that was like well I kept applying to different schools in UK and and that was my dream to go study there, and my parents supported me in that. Uh, and what happened was the agency that we were working with that was helping us with the with the paperwork and everything, they for some reason uh, unknown reason they they applied they sent my documents to the US as well just, you know, throughout different schools. And this one school offered me a really good scholarship. Uh, it was a private boarding school in Massachusetts. And I, I, I remember getting that letter of acceptance and, and offer of scholarship at last minute, you know, it was like late July and August is when the school starts. So I was ready to depart to the UK, apply for my visa and everything. And my mom goes like, well, this is a really good opportunity. You know, this is a really good school. You should, you should go there, especially because your, your sister's there. So anyways, Long story short, really, I didn't want to go to the U.S., but I ended up here. My mom really convinced me. And I'm so grateful right now because, you know, the U.S. has been like coming to the U.S. was the best decision of my life. You know, you can really like Steve Jobs said once, uh, you can really connect the dots looking backwards and not looking forward. You know, when you look forward from that moment, it seems like it's a wrong decision. But, uh, you know, when I connect the dots now, it was the best decision of my life because I met the best people here in the U.S. I I opened up opportunities here, right? So anyways, you know, through that, I came to the high school in 2014. I, I graduated in 2016 from there. Uh, I go to college here in the U.S. Uh, to New York Institute of Technology. Uh, and every year I used to go back home for all the breaks, for spring break, for summer break, back to Uzbekistan. Okay. And my goal was to just graduate from the university, come back mm-hmm. and, and uh, do my business there in Uzbekistan, you know, because that, mm-hmm. was, that was my goal. Um, because I still, it was, it was a hard time adjusting to, to the culture here. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. all my friends were were people from my country or from uh, neighboring countries who are Russian speaking as well. And, um, you know, I, I didn't have American friends up until recently as well. But then 2018, when I came back here, you know, uh, I remember it was my fifth time applying for a U.S. visa. And I really had a hard time getting getting that visa because the relationships mm-hmm. were, were getting harder and, and immigration with the Trump administration was getting harder. So they gave me a hard time, like, getting a visa. And I realized that if I don't, uh, if I come here and I have to get my green card some way, and if I don't get it next time, they're not going to give me a visa. You know, that's the only way I can like really come back and forth to, to the U.S. freely. 
So anyways, in 2018, I decided that I'm going to stay here for as long as I don't get my green card. And while in that process, you know, I got involved, I, I got introduced to, to my now partner and mentor mm -hmm. in technology. And I got involved with the tech business while in college. I also started a sport nutrition distribution company uh, that was going well. And I was in my second year in college, you know, and I actually I, I decided to drop out of college. Not right away. I took like a, a semester off. I, mm -hmm. I worked in my business a little bit. I went back to college, then took another semester and realized that really college teaches you how to become an employee and not a business owner. And uh, maybe I was not at the right school, but like a uh, school that I went to in my second year was uh, actually in California, in, in Whittier, mm -hmm. California down in, you know, below L.A. Uh, yeah, and yeah. You, you know Whittier, yeah. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like 40 minutes away from me. So it's, it's not too far at all. Yeah. Yeah, I lived in Whittier and that was my last uh, last semester attending college in Whittier College, uh, where I realized that, you know, um, really college is not for entrepreneurs. Uh, I would yeah. still love to go and get my degree mm -hmm. if I could honestly like, uh, you know, get my a clone of myself, you know, and I would send him to college, but uh, it was just the opportunity cost. You know, I was, right. I got into the tech business and uh, I stayed there ever since, you know, I, I've been taking some uh, professional courses since then. Mm -hmm. So I didn't stop my education. I still am continuing my education, dropping out of college, uh, read books all the time, go to these seminars, go to specialized mm -hmm. courses. So I learned things that are relevant to my career outside mm -hmm. of college. Uh, and that's kind of what I, you know, I evolved my education all the time. I, I don't, I didn't limit it within the college. So, you know, that's how I got here. You know, right now uh, I'm at a position that I'm at, you know, um, co-own a few tech businesses and uh, I'm, I moved to Miami last year. So I'm in Miami right now. Uh, uh, You're in Miami. Wow. Look at that, man. Must be nice. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm trying to think back to, you were talking about the sports nutrition distribution. What was that exactly? Yeah. So what happened? Yeah, after a year in college, uh, you know, I really, uh, uh, back then, I lived in New York with my sister. Mm -hmm. uh, I was, uh, uh, you know, sharing a, a room with uh, one guy there. And I, I really needed, like, a financial support. But at the same time, I was really into college. So I, was, I, I would have a 4.8 GPA, so I didn't have time to work. And on top of that, I didn't have a permission to work, a work authorization, whatever being a student. So mm -hmm. I realized I need to create a, a source of income for myself, you know. So what I did after a year in college, I went back to Uzbekistan and said, I'm going to take a semester off uh, mm -hmm. and I'm going to create some source of income for myself so I can support mm -hmm. myself, pay for my own college. I hated, hated getting money from my parents uh, and right. I would only limit the amount of money. And that was really not enough to really, you know, have a good life here. Anyways, mm -hmm. uh, I stayed there and uh, I, I, I've done a logistics business first because that's what my brother-in-law back then used to do. And I was like partnering with him, sending stuff mm -hmm. from the U.S. to Uzbekistan. That's how I got involved with the sport nutrition. I saw that a lot of sure. things that are being shipped is, is sport nutrition. And I contacted mm -hmm. one of the distributors there back in Uzbekistan uh, who turned out to be the biggest distributor in the country of the sport nutrition. Wow. Mm -hmm. And really we, we he, he was i was helping him like ship that those items you know he was shipping through mm -hmm. our company i said dude like you're shipping through a, a a company that really is not meant for commercial shipping and mm -hmm. you're shipping a lot like he's like yeah i have a lot of clients i'm the biggest distributor in the country i said what if i helped you figure out how to source these items in the us for less price because he was buying believe it or not he used to buy from bodybuilding.com on sales mm -hmm. resell it to the stores back in uzbekistan wow and that, okay broken business model but the prices yeah. in Uzbekistan enough so he could make profit right right so I said, but he was buying retail here so he was buying you pretty sure and reselling wholesale there that's yeah. crazy like, why don't you buy wholesale he's like oh, i have access to the u.s market how do i you know he didn't even speak english oh uh, there you go he had sales channels everywhere in the mm -hmm. country so it's big amount of sales and i said well dude what if i try to uh help you source these items cheaper mm -hmm. Uh, in the US and I just sell it to you wholesale. First, I started selling him wholesale. And, and actually what I did was I consulted with my fat father who has a big distribution uh, uh, experience. So mm -hmm. he mentored me there. He uh, taught me how to reach out to companies. It was simple, very simple. You know, you just reach out and say, hey, I want to buy this this item uh, from you in a wholesale because I have a client. That's it. And, right. and they will gladly sell to you, right? Maybe not all, business, all all brands, but what I did is, you know, I reached out to one brand, I got them on board, and then I told another brand, hey, I'm already working with your competitor, better sell me. And I started, like, I made contract with 10, 10, 10 uh, biggest brands in the U.S. 
for sport nutrition. And this is like protein shakes and, and, yeah, protein and bars shakes like that. And, exactly those, those things, like you know, the whey mm-hmm. whey protein and all that. And uh, I, I saw that it's a huge difference between a retail price and, and a wholesale price. And and uh, and I started, you know, I, I tried my first sale. What happened was I didn't even have capital to invest in that. So just so you understand right. what I did, yeah, I asked the guy who was you know already buying like thousands of dollars of worth of products from retail i said mm-hmm. pay me uh like i said i'm gonna source to you in this price this is the price list for you uh i made my own you know uh profit on top of that and i said this is the mm-hmm. price this is lower than what you're buying but yeah. you know uh buy from me but i said you have to prepay me first mm-hmm. and i said okay as long as i'm saving and we had a trust back then already so he yeah. paid me and I, with that money, I cut my profit already, and I'm sending the money to the company oh. directly, and they're shipping it to him. And I'm seeing that this business model is working crazy. Yeah. And I didn't invest a single dollar in that. You know, uh, It was all customer-funded business models. So mm-hmm. a lot of people think when they start a business that you need a huge capital to start a huge business. But I didn't have a single dollar then to invest, and uh, it worked yeah. out You know, because it was customer-funded. So long story short, you know. I started selling to him, you know, in, in big quantities and I went back to college and I kept doing it while in college. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point I, I realized that on my, during my classes in college, I'm spending my whole time emailing these companies, shipping out orders mm-hmm. and all, doing all this fulfilling and everything. I'm making money. And these guys, uh, uh, these professors who never did business themselves, they're teaching me how to become an accountant, uh, how to become an yeah. employee. And, and, and I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me, you know, and I'm paying so much for this tuition here. And uh, so I decided to take a pause back then. And, and that's how I basically switched uh, over to, to just doing this business full time, you know. Yeah. And you figured it out, man. A lot of us don't. I, I fell into it. I went to a private, uh, I went to DePaul in Chicago. I don't regret it. it. It was a great experience and I wouldn't be where I am today. Right. And I'd see it as a gift instead of a curse, uh, kind of like you do. But you know, you're spot on. And obviously, they're not going to tell you that. But you're you're being groomed to be uh, an employee. And in, what's funny is, we even had a pretty great entrepreneurship program, well, at least what it seemed like it. But again, you're learning entrepreneurship in a classroom in a controlled environment. And I think we went over like case studies, and, and we try to come up with our own ideas. And are there are there successful people from the Paul's entrepreneurship program? I'm sure there are, there's no doubt about it. But Again, I think what you're to allude to what you're saying, it's you're you're ultimately being groomed to be an employee. And if you want to be a business owner, there's not really any skills being taught. I mean, I didn't gain I didn't think I uh, I gained majority of my business skills or sales skills, for that matter, until I started working in a sales job. I remember I had a communication class and uh, they used to go over, you know, emailing uh, etiquette. And God, man, it was like. We yeah. had to write like the most for you know perfectly formatted email, and this is before I had a job, so I, I didn't know, and um, I didn't really dabble into any businesses when I was younger. Right, I used to work a job at a restaurant to pay from while I was at school. So very standard American student route, right, where I'm kind of in this bubble. Um, but I remember when I first got the job, and I started getting responses from VPs of sales and CEOs of pretty large tech organizations, and they were. You know, they weren't even saying my name. They would say yeah. rather, you know, very, very one sentence. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Is this all a scam? You know, no one talks like this, right? And that's yeah. when it clicked to me and to what you're alluding to now. And God, don't ask me what I think about colleges now. I mean, I think they're, they're I mean, amazing branding what they've done. And, and they're all businesses, you know, from yeah. the UCLA's and then the ones that are have the, you know, to the Harvard's all the way down to private schools. You know, they're all just a business. Uh, nonetheless and then it's a huge business that gets bailed out by government for taxes as well a lot of them don't pay taxes so yeah. like we're really sponsoring that too as taxpayers here and mm-hmm. but don't get me wrong you know i i've really analyzed my my years in college and i think i got a lot of value from from what i learned too like right. you know the, the knowledge i got like at the point again i maybe wouldn't be able to connect those dots back then but a lot of this knowledge is now just it, it just shaped me as a as a as a you know as a more intelligent person too you know, knowing those and economics and everything. But again, the, the opportunity cost may outweigh when you're an entrepreneur when doing Yeah, and if you want to be an accountant, I mean, sure, you got to go, right? You got to learn X, Y, Z. If you want to be an author, by no means, you know, if you want to be a, yeah. an engineer, you got to go to go to do that school, you know. And another uh, thing is uh, with here, and sorry to cut you off, it's with, yeah. with student loans, right? And I'm a victim of this, right? You're, you get offered this humongous sum of money, 
right? At such a young age, I don't know shit, right? I don't fucking know anything about it. And they take advantage of that. They say, come on, it's, it's okay. You don't have to pay a dime while you're in here. Oh, woo. All right, perfect. I'll party for four years. And then after it. I'm, I almost got into that too, you know, because back then I, I learned about loans. I had no idea because when, when I looked at tuition, it was so big. I was like, no way I'm going to be able to afford this, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to ask my parents for this money. But then I was like, well, if there are loans, I could really get those. But I was not eligible. Thank God I was not eligible for that because I, I got into this uh, private uh, school in uh, uh, L.A. as well called, uh, I think it's Loyola Marymount. Loyola Marymount. Loyola Marymount. Yeah. Great school. Yeah. Great school. Yeah. Amazing. I loved mm-hmm. it. But. I got in, uh, couldn't afford it, you know, and I didn't mm-hmm. go there. And I, and if I had a chance to take a loan, I would have back then. And thank God I yeah. didn't have it because I would have got into that trap that you mentioned, you know, because it would be yeah. right now in $400,000 in debt, uh, uh, you know, ha- having been taught to become an accountant. And what would I do with that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, lucky I'm, I learned this after my bachelor's. You know, I had my parents and family encouraging for master's. And I was like, you know what? No, I... Until I can I can directly route the fifty thousand or whatever I'm gonna spend for my masters into the ROI I'm gonna make from it, I'm not gonna fucking do it. I'm not. If, if you can, if there if there's a direct payout from it that you say, "Are right, you invest this fifty thousand, and after two years you're gonna get this job, or there's opportunity gonna come because of your masters that's gonna make you double that?" Then sure, of course I'll go in. But that doesn't exist, right? And and I have too many examples of peers. Uh, and family members that have gone through that and there's no direct ROI and their debt keeps building. And then I have the worst case scenarios where people, they don't, they don't want to get out of school because they don't want to start repaying it. I have people that are going all the way up to their doctorates. After they get their JD, they go for another degree because they just don't want to deal with life. And those people have like half, imagine you have a half a million in student debt. Where do you even begin? You know? Yeah. Yeah, my high school teachers with like 20 years of experience, they still were repaying their loans back then. And, and I thought that was cool back then. Again, I didn't realize. But yeah. but again, you know, coming back to, you know, just to finish up this topic with college, you know, now that mm-hmm. I think about it, what was the value of college? Besides, uh, you know, adding a, a overall intelligence, another value you get, if you're in a good school, uh, you get that environment of the right people around you that you can become friends with and like mm-hmm. business partners with at one point, right. you know. And, and because I guess I didn't go to the uh, good enough schools, maybe, you know, I, my surrounding was not entrepreneurial. None of the guys were entrepreneurial. Everybody was like either soccer players or like other guys. And mm-hmm. so I didn't go that. But I know people who really found, especially during their MBA programs, their business partner right. ended up building a great business with, you know. So th- th- I guess the, the, the values there, again, is, is the, your surrounding. If you're in a good school, uh, like I was reading this book uh, called Naked Economics recently, where they talk mm-hmm. about whether Harvard makes exceptional people or Harvard just collects these exceptional people that would have been successful anyways and just puts them together mm-hmm. and they network and create something great. Out of it. I feel like it should, shouldn't be worth $50,000. That's all I'm saying. And you're right. That's the value, right? But it should not cost me uh, half, a uh, you know, 50,000 oh. to just be in the same room as like-minded people where I can make those relationships. Yeah. If you look in Ger- Germany, uh, the higher education is free. All the great colleges yeah. are completely free. You don't pay anything. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't think Germany is a wealthier country than the United States. It's just that the United mm-hmm. States decided to, you know, make this a business, a bailout, you know, yeah. the taxes and everything. So yeah. It's same mentality cool. with healthcare. I mean, U.S. has the same mentality, exactly. both of them, exactly. right? Yeah. And with with student loans, I'm sure you know this. It's one thing that your bankruptcy can't eliminate. You could be have absolutely nothing left, and they this stuff oh. will still be on there. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, one of the things that yeah, I love this conversation, man. You're making me uh, talk about things that I've been talking about, just venting to with my buddies for a while. Um, you know, one of the things with age, and, and I slightly experienced this, I, um, not like you, I'm not, I'm not a sensation like you, but uh, at about 26, 27, I, I got a chance to open up an office and, and start a sales office for the company I was working with. And, um, you know, technically became a sales director, my title. But, you know, it was so crazy to me at the time, because essentially, I felt that no one believed it, you know, in LinkedIn, and in others, in other professional networks, it just legitimately felt like, because of my age, people would look at my title and I'm like, nah, you know, uh, yeah. they don't get it. I had buddies who were account executives uh, at large organizations, well-known organizations that they were getting headhunted at. And I was thinking, you know, I don't want to leave my job, but I'm like, why am I not getting 
headhunted. I'm a director and I have account reps are getting headhunted. What is going on? And, you know, I started to slowly understand that with age, there, you know, people discredit you without even knowing who you are. And I think now that I'm getting older, I'm not as mad about it because I understand it slightly. And I think what majority of people think is you're this age, right? And I'll just use you as the example in this one, right? Yeah. You're, you're 22, Sam, you know, yeah. you've done all these great things, 23. Um, yeah. And that's awesome. But at the end of the day, you're so young. How I'm, I'm doubting that how could you have ultimately built the skills in business and entrepreneurship and in public speaking, you name it, in such yeah. a short amount of time. And this is me without even coming and asking you and talking to you, right? Yeah. That's the assumption that I think majority of people will make. I guess my question to you from that is, how have you have you experienced that number one, uh, you know, from from peers and two, how how have you ultimately accelerated your learning curve because that has to have happened at this point, right? Oh, that's such a great question. Like, because you know, with my age, like, yeah, I was very insecure about it. Like, having especially doing these things uh, that I'm doing nobody like almost at my age does it right very mm-hmm. rarely do i see people mm-hmm. uh, that that uh, you know are are in the same positions as myself even my you know employees are all older than me uh, mm-hmm. older than me and 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 having this culture especially in uzbekistan where uh, uh, there's a huge ageism you know where mm-hmm. you have to really respect the person even if he's dumb just because of his age uh, and I really don't like that because I think it should be merit-based, not just age-based because age is just mm-hmm. a number, but yeah, it does correlate to your, to your intelligence. But after you're 21, I think it's pretty much like a lot of it stays like, you know, on the same level and it's all about like your knowledge. So anyways, have I experienced that? Yes. Uh, have I been discredited because of my age? Yes. Am I still getting discredited? Yes. Like, you know, people will look at my achievements be like, oh, he's no way he's done this because he is young and he probably like, you know, had a shortcut and I did have a shortcut, but it was not like I cheated. You know, I, I really just uh, worked smart and not just hard. You know, I, I really believe in working smart uh, and, I'll, and I'll get into that, how I did that too. But, uh, you know, with, with my age, first of all, what I learned is that if I'm insecure about it, then you know how people match your energy, you know, they, they will sense that if I'm like not confident because of my age, Especially you mentioned sales. I, I, I still do sales to these days. Like mm-hmm. a, a call before this one, you know, uh, we have 45 people working in our company. I still do sales mm-hmm. myself with my partner. And and what I do is, you know, I, I really enjoy sales. But when people even hear my voice, they could tell I'm young. They don't trust as much with, uh, to our company. And I tell, hey, dude, we have contract with the U.S. government. We have contract with the large corporations, uh, Fortune 5000. And they're like, really? Uh, and 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 uh, what I had to do is, you know, I, I lately started getting my partner involved, who's you know, who uh, is 37 years old and he's older. And so when we get on video calls and they see an older person, the attitude changes right away. Uh, and obviously, yeah, he's a, a bigger expert, and by no means he knows way more than myself. He's more experienced and smarter. But also, you know, I feel like you know, I'm I'm not a bad salesperson. You know, I I mm-hmm. really explain what my company is about, why you should choose me and, and all, all of that. But again, seeing this young face and young, young voice, it does influence. But again, coming back to how I tackle it is I dropped all this, all these thoughts at one point. I said, you know, if I'm insecure about it, then people are going to match that energy and it's going to get even worse. So I completely just don't, don't pay attention to that. You know, I, I, I act like I'm 30. And I, you know, if you if you don't like me because of my age, that's your problem. And and I noticed that when I act more confident because of that, people sense it, and it's actually not that big of an issue then. Because if I'm insecure about it, then as I remember going to these events back when I used to live in NYC. Uh, all these guys at these VC events and like tech events were old guys, and I was so insecure, standing in a corner and like awkwardly like, why did I even come here, right? And but uh, at one point I said it and i just started like uh you know approaching people and i realized that they don't really mind as much you know when i'm confident they they sense that and some people even think because of how i talk after a few minutes of conversation they think i'm actually older than what i look because of how i talk you know so you know it's it's all up to you you know you make it Mm -hmm. you know i I know a guy who's 19 year old he built a 10 million dollar company you know a friend of mine and uh, people don't achieve those results at at 39 you know and 
Yeah. And and you take that same approach when you're managing your employees too who are older? Yeah. It's a little bit harder? Yeah, it was very difficult, especially, you know, I, my company, you know, now they're used to it. And, and uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, they, they're more like uh, uh, more intelligent people. So they're not as bad with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you go to Uzbekistan, when I when I was there, when I was doing sport yeah. business, I had, a, for example, a driver, a personal driver, mm-hmm. because I, I didn't want to spend my time driving a car. So obviously I would right. hire a driver. The guy was literally like two years older than me. And he would get pissed every time I tell him to do something because he mm-hmm. thought that it's freaked because like uh, I'm younger than him. And, and uh, But dude, I'm paying you to drive me and I'm telling you to go there. And I could tell by his tone, like at one point we got into argument and I said, dude, I don't like your attitude. He's like, yeah, you're younger than me and you're telling me what to do. I'm like, yeah, but you work for me. <laughs> Age is just a number, like you said, and yeah, people don't yeah. want to experience that. And it's it's resentful for themselves, insecurity, obviously, from them. But I love exactly. how you tackle it. There are insecurities too, you know. A lot of it when they see a younger person succeeding and doing more things than they did, they become insecure about it, you know. And and not everybody. Some people cheer for you, like what you're doing. You know, you're like you're cheering for this. You're like, damn, you're so young, doing a great job. But a lot of people also insecure about it and they tell you, you know, that you don't deserve things because you're young. Yeah. So, because they didn't get it when they're young, right? That's yeah. what it is. And I'm sure you've experienced this in, in starting businesses too, right? If I ever pitch anyone, the people who told me all the reasons why I shouldn't do it and it's not going to work, 100%, they fucked up a business when they were younger or, or they didn't do it. And they're resentful. They don't want you to succeed because they didn't succeed. And the age is the same thing, right? Fuck, Sam is doing this when he's 21. What the hell was I was jerking off when I was 21. Fuck that. That's should be doing that too. Mentality, man. Like, cause, cause you know, I like I said, I'm very big into law attraction, and and you know, one of the mm-hmm. things that in law attraction, you know, when when you when you are are resentful to, towards somebody uh, versus when you actually are cheering for them, what happens is your your subconscious brain, you know, it just repels those things from you. Like when you look at something in a negative way and say, hey. Like, you know, if I see something I really want to get and I say, this person doesn't deserve it, I'm so unhappy for them. Uh, even if I just think about it or feel that way, it just gets away from me. I don't attract it, you know. Uh, that's why a lot of things that I have right now in my life, I'm grateful for. I remember at one point looking at people who had those things and I didn't have them. Uh, and, I, and I looked at that, I was so happy for them that, that they achieved it, you know. Uh, even even my green card, I recently got approved uh, for a very difficult program that you get your green card through called, an, uh, you know, it's for individuals with extraordinary abilities. And when I look at uh, people, my friends who previously got that, I was so happy, genuinely happy for them, you know. And I feel like I really attracted that because back then my lawyers used to say, you're not eligible for this. You can't get this. And I, and I did get it now because I know I know I really attracted that to myself. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of things happen like that. That's huge for you, man. I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I wasn't like that. And I, you know, I grew up very competitive growing up. I was very into sports. I still am. And when you grow up in that competition on the field, you know, you kind of take it out of it there too. And I was not that I was resentful of people doing better, but it, it was, I couldn't, you know, once I walked off the field, I couldn't really ditch, turn off that competitive aspect of it. But until I realized that until the day I fully not only realized, but accepted that your biggest competition is yourself and that the only person I need to compete with is a person looking back at me in the mirror. That's when I started to, you know, lift people up and, and be happy for people reaching there and not yeah. even be happy. Already take some shit away from that. If he did it, that means it's possible. It's not, it's not crazy. Yeah. It's not some mystery. Take whatever that person did that you want to do. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, for me, I, I, I had both sides. Yeah. And, and sorry to interrupt, but don't get me no. wrong. I'm, I'm very competitive too. Like when I see, a friend, even a close friend, when he tells me that he's making a certain amount of money, I'm happy for them and genuinely happy for them. But I'm also, there's a peer pressure and like there's this competition, but it's a positive competition. You have to tell the yes. difference between a, a positive, that's what I tell my friends too. I say, when when my friends tells me he made a certain amount of money that's, you know, a bigger amount of money than myself, uh, I, I tell him, I'm going to beat your ass next month. Yeah. So that he... You know, like Gary Vee says, there's two ways to build the tallest uh, building in the town. It's by by either destroying somebody's town or building a higher one. So I say, I want to build a higher one, but I want to destroy yours. You grow, but I'll grow faster and bigger. I have very competitive too, but I'm not in a negative way competitive. So you have fun with it. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, in that sales office, I used to have competitions all the time for exactly the same reason you're saying. Um, and, and ironically, my manager, when I first uh, joined the guy who I, the reason I left that company, ironically, he used to do this competition. But I remember, you know, first day I joined, you know, he, on, there's a whiteboard up there and he used to put, you know, he was the manager of it, but he was still selling and he would put like, you know, 200,000 and it was like 10 days in the month. I was like, look i'm at zero and mm-hmm. and this is my second day and it could have you know for some people it really flattens them out and it really discourages them but i think that's how you get to know a person you know and how they view competitiveness and i viewed it as i was like, this is fun now like let's go yep. I'm at zero i gotta get up there and i, I love how you say it, positive competition and there's nothing wrong with that uh, and i love that personally um the age thing, man, that's uh, the, I still get caught on for it. And I had an interview one time that, you know, someone legit said, oh, you know, sales director, can you specifically explain what you did? You know, we're trying to figure out if it's exactly the same role as the sales director. I'm like, listen, man, just because this company was a startup when I joined and just because now it grew by 300% and now as a 25 year old, uh, I'm a director, that's not, doesn't mean that it's discredited with it, but people just don't, they don't want to believe it because in their head, they're thinking now, well, when I was your age, I was only account rep. Like this can't be real. You know? So it's just, it's just crazy yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, Very equally opportunities, even at the younger age with the information technology and information being so available right now, you know? So there's, there's no reason that younger people should succeed faster than we did before, you know, and next generation is going to fa- uh, be smarter and succeed faster than even, I did, and and uh, you know, next generation will be faster and faster. That that's what evolution is about, man. Right, adapting and all of that. Talk to me a little bit about some of the companies that you're working on right now. So I know uh, Jafton. Am I pronouncing it right? What do you what, what, yeah, what Jafton, does Jafton exactly. do? Yeah, so that's that's our main uh, basically day to day operations thing. Uh, so mm-hmm. right now, like I said, we have over forty people working for us, right? Uh, but but we have like two separate teams in our company. Uh, so so uh, we have uh, we have a team where it's a product based team where we create our mm-hmm. own products and get to that. And we have an agency side, right, where we serve clients and uh, at Jafton, uh, you know, that's how we sponsor all of our projects. You know, that's a, that's a cash cow for us. Uh, mm-hmm. That's I mean I, I love I love the consultancy part as well, but. Really, the goal with us, you know, and that's why it doesn't get boring is because we really want to become a product company and product first mm-hmm. company where we want to create mm-hmm. a, a, a recurring revenue product. Right. Mm-hmm. But with Jafton, Jafton is a, as a IT consultancy that works with the with the government agencies and with the, with the private sector as well, uh, mm-hmm. where we build uh, products for you on outsource and like let's mm-hmm. say you want to build something custom and that custom is our specialty right so mm-hmm. you come to us and, and you want to build a, a telemedicine app that doesn't exist right uh, and we've done that before or you want to try, you know, build a social media app right so that's what we do mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. okay it's distributed across five countries right now uh that's mm-hmm. what keeps us uh you know a competitive rate mm-hmm. uh clients are a hundred percent in the united states right now um mm-hmm. The, the, this company is run by myself and my partner uh, who, again, I, I started this company, just the background. I started this company as a business development uh, guy. You know, I was doing mm-hmm. uh, when, when I started, you know, just uh, uh, my, my mentor started like just mentoring me and, and gave me this job. But at one point, you know, I, I'm a guy who doesn't just I'm an entrepreneurial guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I grew out beyond just sales, you know, and, and so, you know, at one point he said, dude, let's you know, you're my partner. We're not just, you know, you're not my employee. You're my partner. Uh, we own this company together and uh ever since it's just been synergy you know and i've been i mean that's why i got into this i guess that's what i meant by a shortcut you know because mm-hmm. I, I met my mentor he was a guy with uh, uh 20 years of experience in the it had successful exits before you know from multiple companies uh raised his first capital at the age of 20 for a million dollars for a startup so very very interested interesting guy uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's how I got into tech business, you know, starting as a, mm-hmm. as a business development guy, got into becoming a partner in the company and co-owning the company. But that's what Jafton does. Um, and on the product side, we have Miss.com, which is a, mm-hmm. uh, a product that we're about to launch. You know, it's getting prepared. It's, we have an entire team working on that. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a remote work automation tool for uh, individuals and for enterprises. So, like, mm-hmm. it, it includes a, a video conferencing uh, that we mm-hmm. built ourselves in-house. It includes uh, payment integrations with all the major payment processors. 
and it, it has a scheduling tool that we built ourselves. So everything built in already, let's say you want to launch a, a, an online uh, uh, home services business, mm-hmm. uh, going and building that technology yourself from scratch, we have a ready solution for you and we just license it to you so you can launch your uh, consultancy business yourself. Oh, very cool, man. That's exciting. Uh, and I'm, I'm really excited to keep up with you. And, you know, you already gave me the motivation for the rest of this week, <laughs> let alone for the foreseeable future. And, you know, majority of my listeners are pretty much millennials, uh, you know, probably your age, a little bit more my age. You know, I'm, I'm going into 30 now. I can't say I'm, I'm 29. So I'm about to, about to go into my 30s. So people, you know, 27 to 35. And, uh, you know, some of them are trying to be uh, become in a leadership position, whether they're a corporation or a small company, or others have, have thought about leadership and, and are thinking of going into it. Uh, I really hope this session is, is burning a fire under their ass to, to get moving. But yeah, I, I want to hear from you right now, you know, with with all the experience that you've had, and you have to lead a, a team of about 40 plus people, man, that ain't, is not something light. And then there's you know, there's uh, I was reading an article that there's more leadership books written than any other genre every year. And what that tells me is that it's fucking hard to execute. It's so easy to read out what it is, but the execution is so goddamn hard that there has to be all these books and, and seminars and whatnot. And as we both, and I can tell you're a reader as well, and, and I try to read as much as I can. I feel like every book I read, I'm still so behind because it's such a it's such an interesting thing. But what is your take uh, on leadership? What is your, if I had to become uh, one of your employees, what are some things that I would recognize from you right away as far as like, you know what, Sam is this kind of leader and this is his leadership philosophy. And then just to wrap it up, what is some advice you can give uh, to some people that are listening in? Yeah, obviously, you know, let's let's start with the theory, you know, uh, some of the some of the great books about leaderships. Uh, I really like Simon Sinek and I met with him uh, two years ago in New York. Uh, great guy. Had a great conversation. Oh, you met him? That's awesome, man. Yeah, I love him. And he, we had a long conversation, you know, after his event. He's a very dedicated guy. Anyways, you know, all of his books, uh, including my favorite, uh, Start With Why, obviously yeah. very favorite book, uh, is great literature. But obviously, you know, just just having a, a theory is not enough, right? So you got to jump into a real, real, uh, you know, hands-on experience. And with that, I would just recommend, you know, um, start out as as a leader as soon, as soon as possible. Just try to take initiative. You know, like I said, when I joined the company, I was not in a leadership position. I was uh, a business development guy. I was doing sales. Uh, but then quickly, I, I started taking leads in projects. You know, I would close a project, but not only would I just close and just handed off to to project managers what i did is you know i saw that those project managers who i, I closed the deal right I, I got my cut already that's it uh, i shouldn't worry about it but i saw that those project managers were kind of lagging with the client and like responding slowly or like mm-hmm. not really managing them well so i would jump into the to slack channel and just talk to a client myself and like hey uh looks like you know you, you're asked something and it's 11 o'clock and at night and and the project manager is not supposed to respond i guess yeah but the, the clients wants to know something at 11 o'clock at night, I'm at the party, doesn't matter. I would text them, I would get on a call with them if needed to really provide that that service, right? Because I, I cared beyond just my position. So leadership is something that you, you go beyond your own uh, skin and um, your position uh, and do, do more than what you're expected to do, right? And that's a natural leadership thing. And I didn't do it just to show off, right, uh, in front of uh, uh, the CEO or anything. I, I did it because I felt it was the right thing to do. And so I, I, at one point, I started doing project management myself because, uh, you know, we didn't have enough project managers. It just so happened like that. And and so I guess, you know, my, my, my take for leaders, you know, for upcoming leaders is don't wait to be asked. Don't wait to be asked to do things. Just go and take initiative yourself. If you're in a good company, or there's no bureaucracy. It's not a government agency. Obviously, you know, if it's especially if it's a startup, you will be allowed to do more. That's why I tell all my interns as well. I hire interns right now. You know, if anybody's listening, want to do an internship in my company, uh, please uh, email me at samajaffson.com. And um, I tell them go beyond what what you're being asked. They tell me what are my responsibilities. I say, well, you will be doing marketing, but that's as general as I'll tell you. If you want to do more things always feel free to reach out to me and tell me hey i want to take initiative and do more so that's what i recommend you know go beyond your responsibilities initiative your hard on accountability uh, taking ownership and 
Damn, man, that's I mean, for someone that uh, those even mentioning those three things, and then someone at 23. Let me just tell you right now, you've you're way ahead already. I know that's not going to stop you, and I know you're someone that um, is not content with where you're at, and you're always trying to learn. And and I can tell just from talking to you that you're that type of person. You're not sitting back saying, "I'm 23. I'm already this far. I'm going to slow it down." I know you're just going to go faster and faster. Um, I, I want to wrap this up with uh, if some people want to get in touch with you. I know you briefly mentioned it. Let them hear it again. Um, and if they just want to talk to you, they want some insight from you or they want actually to maybe potentially work for you. Yeah, uh, best way to reach me is, is my Instagram. Uh, I'm trying to be as much as active as possible there, try to create content. Uh, it's my last name, akhmedov.co. Uh, it might change soon to Sam Akhmedov. That's what I'm planning to. So if you're listening, mm -hmm. if you, it's either Sam Akhmedov or it's akhmedov.co, which is also my website. Uh, or you can email me at uh, my name, Sam at uh, jafton.com, J-A-F-T-O-N.com. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll respond to you as, as, as much as I can. Gotcha. Sam, uh, after I, I end this, hold on for a second. I want to talk to you. But thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. And I, and I really hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the invite. It was great. I hope you enjoyed that episode and I really, really appreciate your support. If you want to learn more, please visit leadershipev.com. If you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at rdg at leadershipev.com. That's A-R-D-I-G at leadershipev.com. Thank you and see you soon. And just ran a long distance. My girlfriend told me all I needed was persistence. Opportunity come one time, so don't miss it. I listen.